This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Box 13 is a syndicated radio drama about the escapades of newspaperman-turned-mystery-novelist Dan Holliday, portrayed by film star Alan Ladd. Created by Ladd's company, Mayfair Productions, Box 13 aired in different cities over different dates and times. First aired in several United States radio markets in October of 1947. And before we hear tonight's story, a bit about the star of the show, Alan Ladd. He was an American actor and film and television producer. He found success in film in the 1940s and early 50s, particularly in westerns such as Shane. And he was often paired with Veronica Lake in films such as This Gun for Hire in 1942 and The Glass Key 1942 as well. His popularity diminished in the 1950s, though he continued to appear in numerous films, including his first supporting role since This Gun for Hire in the smash hit The Carpetbaggers in 1963. He died of an accidental combination of alcohol, a barbiturate, and two tranquilizers in January of 1964. And now a word about the actual program itself, Box 13. To seek out new ideas for his fiction... Holiday ran a classified ad in the Star Times newspaper where he formerly worked. Adventure wanted, will go anywhere, do anything, write Box 13 Star Times. Well, the stories followed Holiday's adventures when he responded to the letters sent to him, such people uh, as a psycho killer and various victims would enter a letter to him. Sylvia Picker appeared as Holiday's scatterbrained secretary. Susie while Edmund McDonald played Police Lieutenant Kling. And supporting cast members included Frank Lovejoy, Lorreen Tuttle, and Alan Reed, to mention a few. And now, the episode, The First Letter. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holliday. Box 13, box 13, box 13, box 13, box 13. Well, this is great. Rain, rain, rain. I'll bet even the ducks wouldn't come out in weather like this. But me, I'm an idiot. I gotta go and take up a profession like being a writer. I couldn't take up something easy. Oh, no, not me. I gotta be a writer so I can be out on nice, cold, wet nights. Beating my brains out. Looking for an idea. Idea. 
deadline. Oh, sure. Mustn't forget that ever-loving deadline. <laughs> what a way to make a living. I could have stayed a reporter at the start times and had nice assignments. Like listening to political speeches. Or covering the opening of a new manhole. Oh, no, but not me. I have to write fiction. Do it the hard way. Well, I might as well take the usual hand, open the usual door to the usual place, and hear the usual comments. Hiya, Mr. Holiday. Hiya. Copy, copy, boy. Hiya, Dan. What do you say, Ed? Fifth editor wants you. How goes it, Holiday? Oh, pretty good. Where's the makeup on page four? Hi, Mr. Holiday. How are you? Hiya, Mr. Holiday. Hello, Susie. Anything in box 13? Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Now for box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. What a character I am. Standing here in front of the wanted counter in a newspaper office while the rain runs down off my coat collar into my shoes. Mr. Holliday. I got to ruin my last pair of... Huh? What's that, Susie? I said there's a message in box 13 for you. Here. Oh. Thanks, Susie. Don't mention it. Say, aren't you going to open it? Sorry. Not here, Susie. You know, you got all of us down here at the Star Times awful curious, Mr. Holiday, running that ad. Have I? You've been running it for months. Why don't you change it? Well, I haven't read it for so long, I've forgotten the words. How's it go? Don't you remember? Adventure wanted. We'll go anyplace, do anything. How about that? I still like it. You'd do a lot better with adventure if you ran your picture with the ad. Oh, no, thanks. Just keep on running it the way it is. But, gee, aren't you ever going to tell us what you do for a living while you keep running that ad? Susie, same old question, same old answer. No. If I'm not doing anything else, at least I've got the people at the Star Times curious. They'd think my brain cells were ten feet off first base if they knew why I really run that ad. Huh? Maybe they are. Hmm. You can help a person out of great trouble and gain an adventure for yourself if you call Chester 8945 and ask for Carla Williams. Chester, eight, nine, four, five. Carla Williams. Sounds like an interesting name. Well, I hope she's home. Hello? Oh, uh, this is the man from Box 13. Tell me, are you serious or was that ad just a joke? No joke, Miss Williams. Are you willing to try anything? Well, uh, that depends what's on your mind. I can't discuss it over the phone. Will you meet me? Of course. There's a little French restaurant down on Ledge Street. 
Meet me there in the cocktail lounge. Uh, what time? Make it 10 o'clock tonight. Tell the bartender you want to speak to Carla Williams. French restaurant on ledge, 10 o'clock. Oh, uh, what block number? The 600 block. You won't fail me, you'll be there. Lady, if it were a winter, I'd come with bells on. This sounds like the beginning of a very interesting story. Beautiful woman in distress calls on struggling writer for help. Only she doesn't know I'm a writer, and I don't know she's beautiful. What's yours, mister? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a Carla Williams. Oh, yeah. She's sitting over there in that front booth. Thanks. Uh, Carla Williams? Yes. Oh, Carla Williams could be material for a love story or an adventure story. Or, uh, maybe both. And, uh, do you have a name? Oh, uh, yes. Dan Holliday. Uh, I sit down. Oh, thanks. I'm uh, agreeably surprised. I didn't think a person would get such a satisfactory reply from a want ad. And I didn't think I'd get such a nice replier. You're wondering about me, aren't you? You're wondering why you're here. Naturally. Well, I'm being blackmailed. That's a very nasty business. I've been paying blackmail for five years, but tonight's the end. I'm to meet him in 15 minutes and make the final payment and get the letters. Well, that sounds like the end of your troubles. But is it? I can't be sure. That's why I need your help. But what can I do? Well, you can be there as, as a witness. You can make sure this is the end. You can see that I get the letters and get away safely. Uh, lady, you need the police. Why? To make sure everything I've kept hidden for five years comes out in the open? Maybe a friend could do it. My friends would be the last ones on earth I'd want to know. Are you afraid? No. You advertised for adventure? Blackmail isn't my idea of adventure. I'm sorry if my trouble doesn't measure up to your expectations. The best I could do on such short notice. Uh-oh. Well, I guess I had that coming. Maybe this isn't your idea of adventure, but I do need help. I need help badly. Let, let's leave it at that. Now, that might appeal to my early Boy Scout training. Then you will. I always help ladies across blackmail wraps. Uh, what happens if your friend makes trouble? We can't make any trouble. He seems to have done all right for the past five years. There won't be any trouble if you're alone. Here, reach under the table. Take this. Oh, uh, now wait a minute. It's a gun. Put it in your pocket. Don't let anyone see it. This is supposed to make everything all right? Well, you won't need it, believe me. I, I thought it would make you feel better. It makes me feel like a policeman. And I still think a policeman is what you want. But you promised. I said maybe. I have to meet him in 15 minutes. Please help me. Where do we go? His apartment. Far from here. We can make it if we leave now. What do you say? Maybe I should never have been a Boy Scout. Now, watch 
watch Carla Williams closely as we ride over to the apartment where she's to meet this man she's been talking about. She's perfectly groomed with a certain niceness about her, except for those twin furrows of worry between her eyes and a cold look of anxiety. I don't think I would like to have her angry at me, though. That's funny. He should have been here 20 minutes ago. Huh. Uh, why don't you try the door? It was unlocked. It might as well wait inside. Unless you have any objections. Not at all. There's a light switch on your right. The living room is straight ahead. Say, you sound like you're familiar with the place. Why not? I've been here many times before. There's a light on in there. Suppose he might have fallen asleep? Waiting for his money? Hardly. Well, this is more like it. This spot is nicely furnished. With my money. But at least we can sit down and make us... Make us... Oh, no. Miss Williams, what's the matter? What happened? By the floor. By the desk, look. You stay here. He's dead. Dead? Yeah, he's been shot. Once. Through the heart. I'm glad. I'm glad. He's the one? The man who was blackmailing? Yes. Would you... Could you go through his pockets? He must have some of those letters with him. Look in his coat pocket. Uh, just a minute, Miss Williams. You don't understand. This man has been murdered. You've got to call the police. Murdered? What makes you so sure? There's no gun around any place. Just the same before the police come. His pockets... Please, I've got to have those letters. Okay. But it isn't right. Are these what you wanted? Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. They're all here. Now, where's the telephone? We've got to get the police up here and fast. There is no phone. No? How do you know without looking unless... I told you I've been here before. Oh, yes, I forgot. Well, go downstairs. There's a payphone in the lobby. Tell the police to come up here right away. And come back and we'll wait for them. You're not planning to leave while I'm downstairs, are you? No. Here, here's a nickel. Just dial O and tell the operator you want the police. Hurry. But you, you'll be here. Call, I said. I wanted adventure, so I put an ad in a newspaper. And I certainly found what I wanted. Only this isn't good. The man is lying dead on the floor of this apartment. Carla Williams and I will have to get down to the police headquarters and answer a million questions. All of them embarrassing. Uh, I hope she's made the calls. Say, that's funny. Why would there be a telephone directory in a place where there's no phone? Or maybe there is one. Of course, right here in the hallway. I wonder why she said there was no phone here. Maybe it's been disconnected. Hmm. Operator. This is the operator. Oh, fine. I've written a dozen stories like this. And whenever I've reached this point, the hero always finds that he's been framed. <laughs> framed? The gun. I'm going to look at that 
gun. Better find out if it's been fired. One shot has been fired. And the police surgeon will probably find a bullet from this gun in that dead man's body. The police. Seems like little Carla took care of that. Me, I'm going to take care of something else. I'm leaving. You are listening to Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Once again, Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Right now, I'm wishing I were half as smart as the heroes of some of my stories. I've got a murder, a strange woman, a strange apartment, and a strange feeling that this might not work out to a happy ending. What I need is a cab, a quick trip home, a short drink, and a long, long think. Sure is a rotten night to be out. Yeah, it sure is. Never seen such rain. Not so good. Cops are sure busy tonight. Sounds like it. I wonder who they're after. I uh, wouldn't have any idea. Could be a murderer, you know. Yeah, just could be. Just tonight for a murder. Perfect. How come you got so wet? It's uh, raining. <laughs> I know, but how come? My umbrella needs recovering. You want the Normandy arms? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's your building up ahead, but it looks like you've got lots of company. What do you mean? Them's prowl cars, mister, all over the place. Oh, this is very nice. Carla Williams called the police and must have mentioned my name in passing. <laughs> I'm the type of interesting young fellow that any cop would like to meet, especially with a murder weapon in my pocket. Tonight, Mr. Holliday, I think you will sleep elsewhere. Want me to pull right in where all them cops are? No, they look busy, so maybe we'd better not bother them. Just keep on driving. But this is where you live, ain't it? I don't feel like going home tonight. I could shove them cops aside, you know. This is a legitimate hack. Uh, that would be fun, but don't bother you're the boss, mister. Where to? Uh, there's a place down on Franklin Avenue. 1612, I think. I know that place. That's the cheapest hotel in town. Yes, I believe it is. Hey, how do you know about a place like that? I got information there for a story. What a joint like that. What are you going there tonight for? To sleep. You writing another story? I'm living one. Living one? Yes, I left my typewriter at home. Well, Mr. Holliday, to what do we owe this great pleasure? Maybe you're just lucky. More research on the seamier side of life? No, not tonight. I'm looking for a room. A room? 
Might I remind you, Mr. Holiday, this ain't the Roney Plaza. Have you got a room? Any particular exposure you might like? Mm, the less, the better. I'm sure we can fix you up. That is, if you're willing to pay in advance. Buck, buck and a half, how much? $25, Mr. Holiday. $25. And if you committed the murder, it'll be $50, Mr. Holiday. Come on, talk straight. I don't want any trouble with the police. What makes you think I'll cause you trouble with the police? Little box called the radio. Police calls. They're a lot of fun to listen to, Mr. Holiday. Yeah, I bet they are. We'll be comfortable here and safe. I'm beginning to wonder if I could afford it. With your money? <laughs> Don't make me laugh. I wasn't trying to. Where's your phone? The one on the wall costs a nickel. Thanks. You're staying tonight, Mr. Holiday? in a good word for me. I had to. They made me. Look, I, I want to talk to you. I know that feeling. I want to talk to you, too. I can explain everything. Like a gun with one bullet fired? Yes. A missing telephone that wasn't? That, too. Oh. Then you're just a little girl I want to have words with. Can you come over here right away? Are the police there? Oh, that's right. Name a place I'll meet you. The corner of 6th and Victor. Ten minutes. Right. Follow me, Mr. Holiday. How are you? Your room. This ain't the Roney Plaza, but the service is just the same. I've changed my mind. You're not staying? Your rates are too high. I'll drop in again after I've made a fortune. Now I know how the fox feels when the hounds are closing in. Hmm. Someday I'll have to write a story about a fox. Put that guy Burgess and his Peter Rabbit out of business. Hey, Cab! Oh, it's you again. Yeah, I get around, don't I? I thought you were set for the night. No running ice water. Six and Victor. Where did you say you wanted to go? Six and Victor. But there ain't no place to sleep there. Oh, I'm not sleepy. I just want to examine a fire hydrant. Okay, mister. I'm glad it's your money and not mine. If we keep on, it will be your money. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Say, uh, is that tonight's extra lying up there? Sure. Want to take a look at it? Oh, yeah, thanks. That picture they got of you on the front page is lousy. What picture? You look like you was facing the camera through a screen door. Yeah, let me see that. Well, 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 this is just wonderful. Prominent writer named by police. Carla Williams accuses Dan Holliday of the murder of Harry Granger. Grief-stricken girl witnessed the murder of her fiancé. Well, nice going, Carla. It's your word against mine, plus the evidence against me. Now I know why they wrote that song, I Get Along Without You Very Well. Well, there's six and Victor. Cruise on by. You ain't gonna stop? I haven't made up my mind. 
Looks like a couple of cops waiting around for somebody. That's the way it looks to me. That might be the law. Yes, they might be. What do you want to do now? Get away from here and find a city directory. A chap by the name of Harry Granger should have a home. And he should have stayed in it. I'm either just ahead of the police or right behind them. And if this game keeps up much longer, I'll be right with them. Yeah? Oh, um, Harry Granger lived here. He did? You the police? Well, no, not exactly. A reporter? I used to be. Come here, you. I wonder if you're one of them blackmailers. Just a minute, friend. My coat rips easy. No, I guess not. If you were, you wouldn't be here. Mind if I step in? Come in, come in. This whole thing's got me all upset. You don't say. Oh, uh, you said something about a blackmailer. That's what I'm here for. I came to help Harry get rid of those rats. You mean he was being blackmailed? For five years. I lent him most of the money to pay off with. I told him he was a sucker, but it looks like I got here too late. You heard what happened? Saw it in the papers on my way from the station. Have you told the police? Not yet, but I'm going to. Who did you say you were? I didn't say. You know something about this? I think I do now. I began to see the light when the city directory listed this place as Granger's apartment. Can I help? You might get into trouble. Well, how? Breaking into a woman's apartment. After this, I'll use a fire escape and more of my stories of the most interesting things about a building. Homicide will be out in the hall seeing that no one comes in here. I have to work fast, Holloway. You'll have to find something that the police weren't looking for. There must be something. Bells, letters, cards, that's no good. Look, look for the obvious. That's, that's what I always have my hero doing. Let's see what's the obvious. For the living room. Now, let's see. That's where the body was. Nothing obvious there. On the desk. No, no. The table. No. The fireplace. Hello, hello, hello. A small frame snapshot. And I think it might be just what I'm looking for. My old friend, the bartender, and Carla Williams. And with your arms around each other. You know, you two make a nice couple, a wonderful couple. I wonder if they'll let you have your arms around each other in the electric chair. You are listening to Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. finally made it. I'm down at police headquarters in the office of a tall, gangly character named Lieutenant Kling. Of course, a few things have happened. Carl and the bartender were brought in, too. So much cooler than I am. Oh, those cell bars give you such fine ventilation. Holiday! Um, what's that, Lieutenant? I said you were a very lucky citizen. After what Carla Williams told us, we thought you were guilty. If she'd have told me that story, I'd have believed it myself. 
Approving that she and the bartender were married put a crimp in her act as the injured fiancé. Yeah, you showed it up as the same old racket. Smart woman teams up with smart man to blackmail innocent citizen. But just the same, I think you should stick to your writing and let police work alone. Uh, Lieutenant, I'll have that printed and framed in blonde walnut. And hang it on the wall? No, around my neck. I'm glad to hear you say that. You may not always have a guy like this Grant who backed up your story. Oh, Granger's friend? That's the one. Say, he's a nice fella. Wants me to visit him on his ranch. Why don't you do that? Riding the range all day when I could be cooking in town? Uh, pardon me. Homicide, Lieutenant Kling. Oh, yes, yes, he's here. It's for you, Holiday. Oh, thanks. Hello? Mr. Holiday, this is Susie. Yes, Susie. Can you come down to the Star Times right away? Well, what's the matter? There's another letter for you in Box 13. Oh, no, no, no. Should I uh, open it and read it to you? Oh, not now, Susie. I've got enough material to last me for a month. Three weeks of which will be a rest. Tell me where. Maybe I can come down and help you. You really want to help me? Sure I do, Mr. Holliday. Then put that letter back in box 13. But, Mr. Holliday... Good night, Susie. Next week, same time, Ellen Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Ellen Ladd appears through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures and may currently be seen in Wild Harvest. Box 13 is written and directed by Ted Hediger. Original music composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. This is a Mayfair production. Stay tuned for Fibber McGee and Molly next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Fibber McGee and Molly. And it sounds like a real hazer of a story since it's entitled Fibber's Going Bald. The Johnson Wax Program. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Company with Jim Jordan as Fibber, Donald Novis as himself, the Four Notes as a quartet, Zazu Pitts as our special guest, and Billy Mills Orchestra as they open the show with Life Begins When You're in Love. we have an announcement of special interest to every housewife. Here's a real bargain offer for you. By acting at once, you can buy Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat in big giant size cans for the same price you usually pay for the regular pound and pint sizes. Now, when you buy these giant size cans, you get one-third more wax or glow coat for your money. This offer is made for a limited time only. When the present supply of giant size cans is gone, there won't be any more. So go to your dealer the first thing tomorrow morning. Buy several cans of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat while you can get them at a money-saving price. During spring cleaning, you'll want plenty of wax and glow coat in the house. So don't delay. Get your supply of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat tomorrow without fail. 
Ask your dealer for the special giant size cans and get a pint and one-third or a pound and one-third for the same price you usually pay for one pint or one pound. Equinox is here, and the air is full of clean-up, paint-up, dress-up, Easter parade enthusiasm. So, in the spirit of general refurbishing, our hero is getting his spring haircut. And here, waiting his turn in the Wistful Vista tonsorial parlors, we find Fibber Goldilocks McGee. Thank you. Uh, you're next, sir. Okay, Bob. Give me a haircut. Yes, sir. Shall I go right ahead, or do you want an estimate first? <laughs> well, I did get it, let it get a little long at that. I guess my hair grows fast because I got such a fertile brain. <laughs> you're a new barber here, ain't you? Yes, sir. I used to have a shop in the South Seas. At Waikiki. Oh, a beachcomber. No, just a Hawaiian clipper. <laughs> yes. Oh, your hair is getting a little thin on top, isn't it? Oh, it ain't never no such a thing. There ain't a man in my whole family that ever went bald. Linen service. Anything today, Frank? Oh, yes. Uh, two dozen towels, six aprons, ten bars of soap. And another carton of bear's grease dressing. How are you fixed for conversation? No, no, I guess not today. I still got 18 minutes of the European situation, seven minutes of who win the pennant, and four minutes of Will Roosevelt run for a third term. <laughs> How about five or six minutes of the weather ain't what it was when you were a kid? <laughs> no, no. no thanks, not today. Okay. Hey, what is this? Six minutes of who win the pennant and weather and all stuff like that there. We barbers subscribe to a conversation service. <laughs> Every day, they supply us with 15 or 20 minutes of monologue with a few jokes. Enough to last one haircut and a shave. <laughs> Hold still, you. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Take plenty off the top, bud. What do you mean, plenty off the top? I'm just a barber, not a magician. You had plenty off the top when you came in here. Well, you, you, you mean you really think I'm losing my hair? Why, shucks, I ain't a... Hello there, Frank! How long do I have to wait for a shampoo? I got a heavy day tonight and I want to smell good. <laughs> oh, hello there, Johnny. What you doing, getting a fitting for a toupee? <laughs> no, I ain't. I'm getting a little tired of being told I'm getting bald. Hey! I says, no, I ain't getting measured for a toupee. I don't need one. And even if I did, this is no climate for a convertible top. <laughs> Johnny, but that ain't the way I heard it. The way I heard it, one feller says to the other feller, Say, say, I'm getting fed up on this war talk. I've heard nothing but Europe, Europe, Europe all through March. Well, says t'other feller, you're lucky you live over here. You don't have to hear them march, march, march all through Europe. <laughs> I want to 
manicure, too, Frank. And if you hear bells ringing tonight, it ain't the curfew. That's me kicking the gong around. <laughs> there, bud, goes a gentleman of the old school. He's still a sophomore. <laughs> very pretty... good, very good. <laughs> you about through with this haircut, bud? Yes, sir, all through. Now, how's it look, sir? Hey, you took a little too much off in front there. Why, I didn't touch the front. There wasn't any hair there. What? You, you... Say, kitten aside, you really think I'm getting bald? Well, I wouldn't say you were getting bald, exactly. But I bet your comb and brush lay there on the dresser and wonder how they can get on relief. <laughs> uh, that'll be uh, 90 cents, please. What? 90 cents for a haircut? Yes, sir. 75 for the haircut and 15 for a tip. Thank you. <laughs> Sense. That guy's running the wrong kind of a clip joint. Hey, I wonder if I am losing my hair. Hello there, Pepper. What are you looking so worried about? Oh, the barber just told me I was getting bald, Bill. You think I am, Billy? Well, frankly, I do, Pepper. I was telling Don Novus yesterday that your face looked a lot lower than it used to. <laughs> oh, yeah? Oh, how about you? <laughs> that shiny dome of yours that aroused an awful maternal feeling in an ostrich. <laughs> You really think my hair's getting thin, eh, Billy? Gee, I hope I don't get as bald as you. Oh, it doesn't bother me, Fibber. It's a sign of mental activity. There's no grass on a racetrack, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Your scalp certainly got the runaround, didn't it? <laughs> well, go ahead, Billy, folks. Don Nova singing, I Kiss Your Hand, Madame. In dreams I kiss your hand, madame Your dainty fingertips And while in slumberland, madame I'm begging for your lips I haven't any right, madame To do the things I do just when I hold you tight, madam, you vanish with the night, madam. In dreams I kiss your hand, madam, and pray my dreams come true. When I hold you tight, madame You vanish with the night, madame In dreams I kiss your hand
on that was simply marvelous. It was great. You must get tired of hearing me say that week after week. Must I? Well, no, you don't have to. I, I, <laughs> by the way, Don, take a look at my hair. All right. You see anything to give you a shock? I certainly do. Uh-huh. You got a haircut. No. <laughs> you think I'm beginning to lose my hair? Well, I was just talking to Billy about that, and I said that people with wavy hair weren't so apt to get bald. And what did he say? He said your hair was waving all right, waving goodbye. <laughs> well, see you later, Baldy. <laughs> Baldy. If I can't get a little decent respect around here, I don't... Oh, Oh, hey, buddy. Buddy, are you Thibba McGee? You betcha, bud. Where'd you get all the horses? I just drove them in from Washington, D.C. Your congressman sent them to you. Hey, wait a minute. There's some mistake. Why is my congressman sending me a herd of horses? He said you wrote him a letter and asked him to send you as a bunch of seeds. I didn't say steeds. I said seeds. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I'll give the congressman credit for trying anyway. Well, I guess I better go look up some scalp specialist. Oh, hi, Mrs. Uppington. Oh, my, how do you do, Mr. McGee? <laughs> oh, delightful spring weather, isn't it, really? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, do you know that I actually saw a robin this morning? No. Yes, a dear little robin red bosom. <laughs> <laughs> Little Robin Redbosom. Dear, dear. Oh, Mr. McGee, I'm afraid you lack all appreciation for the beautiful springtime with the birds and the bees and the wildflowers. Oh, if I only knew the language of the flowers so I could greet each tiny green bud high up in the trees. <laughs> Why, I can do that, Uppy. Oh, how, Mr. McGee? Hi, bud. <laughs> Oh, Mr. McGee, must you be so cynical, really? Can't you be more poetic? No, I can't, Uppy. I just had bad news. I'm losing my hair. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, yes, you are, aren't you? Yeah. <gasps> you poor boy. Me, too. Uh, what do you suppose is the cause? Oh, worry, I guess. Well, what are you worried about? About losing my hair. <laughs> well, I'll see you later, Uppy. i got to look up a scalp specialist. Oh, well, try to be more cheerful, Mr. McGee. Remember, it is spring. A spring, a spring, a spring, a spring. It makes me feel so good. Oh, yes, really. Is that what that is? <laughs> you know, I should like to go out in the early morn and dance among the dewdrops like a dainty little fawn. <laughs> Some fawn, eh, folks? <laughs> Oh, I know. You think I'm just being a silly girl. <laughs> well, it's so nice to have seen you again, Mr. McGee. Goodbye. Goodbye. She cares about me going bald. Springtime. Blah. Say, Doc. Huh? Excuse me. But did I hear you say you was getting bald? <laughs> yes, you did, bud. Why? You a scout specialist? No, I'm a tattoo artist. Now, how about me tattooing a little sentiment on your ball spot? Uh, kind of an epitaph, kind of. <laughs> you mean hair today and gone tomorrow? <laughs> Something like that there? Yeah. Uh. But then how about, I tried a hundred tonics, but I couldn't save my hair. Now my head is just like heaven, because there's no parting there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
No, I thanks. Liked it. <laughs> no, thanks, Bud. I guess not. I may look like a pinhead, but I don't want to be engraved. <laughs> okay, just an idea. That's all. <laughs> Tonics might not be a bad idea at that. Wonder what's a good remedy. I'm. Oh, hi, Harpo. Hello there, Fibber. I just say you're getting bald, aren't you? You think I am? Oh, I sure do. When I walked up behind you just now, I could see you were frowning before you even turned around. So, hey, how do you keep your hair so healthy looking, Harpo? Well, I guess I owe it all to my mother. When I was a little boy, she used to spend whole mornings and afternoons just brushing my hair. Brush, brush, brush. Right down to the roots. Just working her fingers to the bone, eh? How'd she ever have time to do her housework? Grab it, Harpo. Why? Why, she has plenty of time for her housework because she used Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. The no-rubbing, no-buffing polish for floors and linoleum that shines as it dries. Ain't he wonderful, folks? <laughs> so you owe it all to your mother, eh, Harpo? Yes, I do, Fibber. I remember I used to say to her, Say, Mommy... Hey, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Take that lollipop out of your mouth. <laughs> Well, I'd say, say, Mommy, why don't you ever talk about how tired you are? And why don't you have rough, scrubby hands like the other little boys' mamas? <laughs> Shrewd little tyke, wasn't you? <laughs> and then Mommy would take me on her knee and tell me all about how easy and quick it is to use glow coat. And that's how she always had time to brush my hair. Oh, we were great pals. Well, a mother's best friend is her boy, they tell me. Have you told her she better rush out and grab off some of them money-saving special giant-sized cans before they're all gone? Oh, don't worry. She knows all about that. She also knows that you get a pint and a third for the price of a pint. Well, I gotta be going, Fibber. And say, try not to worry too much about that baldness. We all knew it would happen. Yes, I know. Huh? You did? Why, sure. Everybody said you were bound to come out on top. Well, so long, pal. <laughs> Very helpful. Oh, here's a scalp specialist right here. Dr. Harry Storer. Well, I'll try him. Hi, sis. Can I see the doctor? Uh, dear me. I don't know why not, mister. He's five feet eleven. <laughs> yes, it's her again, folks. Mrs. Azu Pitt. Well, tell the, lot. tell the doc I'd like to see him, will you, sis? <laughs> you better just sit down a while, mister. Doctor's busy in his laboratory right now. Oh, he is, eh? What's he working on? Trying to develop a skeleton key for a scalp lock? No, he's experimenting on wiring a toupee for sound. <laughs> he wants to see if a cowlick can move. <laughs> My, you're getting pretty bald, aren't you, mister? Yeah, I'm afraid so, sis. I hope the doc can do something about it. Uh, you a registered nurse? Well, I'm a nurse. But dear me, even though there's dozens of men in here every day, I don't seem to have registered yet. <laughs> oh, don't worry, sis. As the Bureau of Identification says to the burglar, someday your prints will come. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, you like nursing? No, yes, I certainly do. I always said if I went into nursing, I'd want to reach the highest place in my profession. And here I am, assistant to a scalp doctor. <laughs> but how come you choose this particular branch of the profession? Oh, you know how it is with a young girl. We just get such romantic ideas. <laughs> you expect to find romance in here? Well, it narrows the field, mister. Very few women get bald. <laughs> oh, yes. 
I catch But I suspect you won't find no dream man, sis, unless you're looking for one that's thick in the middle and thin on top. Oh, we don't have to be built to specifications, mister. I'll just take one out of stock. Well, just the same. The guys you're liable to meet in this office will no doubt be middle-aged, fat, and gray-haired. Yes, I know. But any man who gets to middle age and is still fat is probably pretty prosperous. <laughs> and if he has gray hair, it was probably caused by worry. And there's only two things men worry about, women and money. And if he has any money and still wants to worry about a woman, well, I guess I know my duty, mister. <laughs> well, you seem to have the situation well. Oh, uh, hello, doctor. Here's Mr. McGee to see you. Oh, yes, that's fine. Did you take his history, nurse? No, but I gave him quite a bit of mine. <laughs> uh, by the way, nurse, I'm a little puzzled about that Frangle case. Can't quite diagnose it. He says he wakes up in the morning with dimples all over his scalp. Oh, I can diagnose that, Doc. Tell him to quit using the outdoor sleeping porch during the woodpecker season. <laughs> I see you're suffering from alopecia areata yourself. Uh, yeah, who? <laughs> you think you can do something for me, Doc? I ain't hopeless, am I? Uh, not with my sister, my boy. We can grow hair on a football helmet. Uh -huh. uh, let me see now. I think your case calls for Formula 27. It's an old Indian remedy for baldness. Oh, well, that's my chief worry. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Here we are. Uh, take this tonic home with you, McGee. And these tweezers. Tweezers? What's them for? This tonic is so efficient, it grows eyebrows on the bottle. <laughs> uh, use it uh, liberally, but only on the scalp, remember. Yeah? One of my patients, a radio actor, spilled some in his bathroom the other day with tragic results. Oh, what'd he do? Grow a mustache on the wash bowl? No. No, he spilled a few drops in the bathtub, and now I'm afraid he's definitely typed as an actor. Oh, how so come, Doc? Well, you understand, when I say he's now playing the part of a polar bear on a certain Sunday evening program. Oh. <laughs> well, well, much obliged, Doc. I'll run right home and apply some of this stuff. The sooner the better. Good day. Uh, good day, Doc. And goodbye to you, sis. I'll see you again when I come back to report on the treatment. Well, I'll be here, mister. Sitting here and dreaming my dream. About living in a beautiful penthouse with a man I love. Well, and who is the man you love, sis? Any man who has a beautiful penthouse. <laughs> Goodbye, mister. <laughs>
singing the funny old hills. And that was nice timing, too, kids, because I got back in the house just before you finished. <laughs> Ever notice the construction of this show, folks, how we weave the music through the drama? Dad, <clears throat> Raddick, who's that? I want to get busy and try this hair restorer. Come in. Oh, hello there, Fisher. Oh, hi, Nick. Fisher, what is this I'm hearing about your hair doing a strips tease on your cranium, Mom? <laughs> or am I labeling under a Miss Apple dumpling? <laughs> No, that's right, Nick. I never noticed it myself till everybody started telling me. I thought it was okay, but you know how it is. Appearances are deceiving. There is smeddly more of a truth in a poultry in that, Fizzer. It is like little stories I'm reading last night. Uh-oh. Well, tell me some other time, Nick. I'm kind of anxious to try this hair tonic. Well, huh? sir, it was being one of the funniest little nanny goats. Anecdotes. I stand connected. <laughs> one of the cutest little stories I'm ever reading, which the name of it is being called Freddy Nan the Cow. That was the bull Who cares? I liked it anyway <laughs> Well, sir, this little Ferdinand was a pretty little Spanish boy cow And there was nothing he would not rather do than something else And sit down and sniffle at a bunch of flowers Such as chrysanthemums, tiger lulus, garbunias, and nasty thirsts <laughs> Yes, I know, Dick he didn't, he didn't run and play like the other little bulls <laughs> It worried his mother, too, didn't it? Sure. <laughs> a little bit. But if he wanted to sit and make his nose gay with a flower, it was perfectly bouquet with her, I'm thinking. Well, sir, one summer's day, there is coming to the farm a bunch of squidgies who are being talent scouts for a bullfight. You grab me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm familiar with the story, Nick, so don't... And just as they are signing up a couple of the bulls for the World Series bullfights... Little Ferdinand is trying to smell the flowers and he's sitting down and a bumble buzzed. <laughs> which is stinging him right on the conclusion of his story. You mean right on the end of his tail? Have it my way, Fisher. Anyway, he is so painful with his sting that he is acting like a very ferocious puss animals and they are picking him out to fight his duels with a famous cuspidor. <laughs> Toriador. There's Toriadors, Matadors, and Picadors. Sure. Picador and walk, don't run to the nearest exits. I know that. <laughs> well, sir, Fizzer, what is happening on the days of the fights will make your hair stand on its hind feet. <laughs> They're bringing Ferdinand's out, and he is standing there swissing his tail. Swiss, swiss. <laughs> I know. Then he refused to fight. He just sat down and smelled the flowers that the women threw into the bull ring. Sure, and everybody is being very disgusted about the whole thing. The Toriadors is tearing his hair, the Matadors is wondering what is the matter, and the Picadors is picking Ferdinand up and throwing him out on his rump roll. 
finance don't care. He's very happy at going home again where he can have his smell time swelling the flowers again. And the moral of the story is being, don't beef if somebody is giving you a bum steer. Well, so long, teacher. <laughs> Thank goodness now I can go to work on this hair tonic. It certainly smells terrible. Maybe the theory is to smoke them hidden hairs out into the open. Well, here she goes. Wow. That's strong. Gee, I can feel it working all right. One more dose now. Ah, now then. Now for a look in the mirror. Oh... Well, I'll be a... Well, can you imagine? Why that dirty? Well, what happened to it? Where'd it go? Give me that telephone. Hello, operator. Oh, is that you, Mert? I haven't got time to kid around today, Mert. <laughs> Give me Doc Storer. <laughs> yeah. Fine doctor. He ought to be. Oh, hello. Dr. Storer? Yes? Dr. Harry Storer? Yes, yes. What is it, please? Well, this is Fibber McGee, remember? Oh, yes. Say, what kind of tonic was that you sold me anyway? Why, what happened? Why, I looked like I'd been scalped. Well, I told you it was an old Indian remedy. In... Oh, sure. <laughs> Folks, it was nice to have Zazu Pitts with us again, but as for that scalp, Doctor... Hello, Fizzer. I... Can I have my present now? Your present? What present? You know, that little bottle that is saying on it, to Nick. To Nick? To... Oh, that wasn't to Nick. That was tonic. Oh, for scream's sake, excuse me all to pieces. Okay. <laughs> Good night, folks. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, Racine, Wisconsin, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. The selection Funny Old Hill is from Paris Honeymoon. Fibber McGee and Company were presented from Hollywood's Radio City. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.